podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. You ready to do some mailbag, John? I'm ready. All right, we do the mailbag, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We've got questions sent in from listeners. John, we got a Rockets question and an Astros question. You probably want to hit some Joe Espada, John. It's in the mailbag, so I saved it for this. All I right? want to hit some Rockets. I've been watching every Good. game. And me too. I, isn't it fun to be able to look forward to Rocket games again too? Sure is. It's great. All right, let's do this. All right, this is Richard Cortez. Goes by Rick. Rick from San Antonio. Said last game. Well, he okay. This 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 email actually came in before the Cincinnati game. He was talking about the run pass split of the Tampa Bay game. I'll just go with his second question here. Who's better at left guard, Titus Howard or Kenyon Green? Titus because he's a veteran and he's played more, and we don't know squat about Kenyon Green. Yeah, but Titus is not going to. He's not a left guard. He's not going to stay at left guard. Yeah, John, I would love to know how Kenyon Green's doing right now. You know, like, we, where is he? Is he in the building? I saw him recently. He said he was still wearing his cast from his surgery. Okay, but he's, he's had the surgery. on the, What it was, a shoulder, right? I don't – I think it was a pec or biceps. Yeah, it was something. All right. Um, he says, thanks, guys. Enjoy the podcast, especially after a big win. Let's go to J.R. Cortez. I don't know if he's related to Rick, but J.R. Cortez. I keep hearing that C.J. threw his second interception on Sunday, but did he not throw one on the two-point try against the Bucks? Um, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Yeah, does not count. That does not count as a pick. It is a uh, just a two-point conversion, so it does not count. He asked us if we ever thought about getting some Utopia podcast swag. Put me down for a large T-shirt. Keep up the great work, Jr. in Spicewood, Texas. Should we get some swag, no, Johnny? That would cost money for us to get to generate it. You mean or Odyssey? Yeah, I'll let you know. ask Odyssey for the money. No, well, I don't know. If, it, if it's something we can turn a profit from, I'm happy to back it. So, all right. Good idea. We're putting that on the list of good ideas. John, where is Spicewood, Texas? Spicewood, never heard of it. Okay. He's from Spicewood. Uh, Charles Honeycutt. Is it fair to say that t- most Texan fans are now happy to rid themselves of Watson without C.J. Stroud has played? In case you were wondering, I'm absolutely thrilled at my end. Um, and he's got a Rockets question, too. Um, John, I think it goes without saying people are thrilled with having Stroud and not having Watson. Um, Stroud is already better than Watson, right? Well, Watson was great in his last game against Seattle in which Richard Sherman, all those DBs said it was the greatest game ever played against them, rookie or veteran, including Aaron Rodgers. And he blew out his knee in practice the next day. But, you know, Stroud's had two great games. I want to see more of it because there were some games that weren't great. So the first two were nothing. One of them was prolific, but they got beat bad. So um, I I wouldn't say he's already better, better than Watson as a rookie. Watson had more touchdown passes, more rushing touchdowns, rushing yards. It's just Stroud has engineered those two victories. John, he has – John Deshaun had eight picks in seven games. Also, let's not forget that. Oh, I know. I'll call him about it last. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. Yeah, but CJ, I don't know, John. It's you. So I can say he's clearly better. No. Okay. Okay. You can say he is. No, I think. I think. I think he's. I think he's better than Deshaun right now. Like I don't care about his rookies. Like I'm talking about right now. Who would you rather have 
You're going oh, into a game, you got to win. He's not very good. He's been hurt all year. Yeah. He's not played well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm, I'm thinking right now. John, I also think this. Tell me if I'm crazy. I think CJ Stroud could, I think if CJ Stroud got hurt on the first play against Arizona and he was done for the year, like Deshaun getting hurt with his ACL in practice, I think CJ Stroud, I think it's over. I think CJ Stroud could not play another snap and he's rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Well, I think that depends on what these other guys do that are playing a whole season. I don't think there's uh, anything they can do, John, unless Jameer Gibbs went for 1,200 eight, yards in eight games. I've never seen know. anybody miss eight games and win an award. I know. Except but Mike he, Trout. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and, and like Shohei missed a month. He's going to win MVP going away Trout, this week. Trout misses half the season. He gets the MVP. Yeah. No, the but John got it over. Bregman was preposterous. But CJ's having that kind of year. Like this is a rookie year. Like we've never seen before in certain aspects of it, you know, and his ability to protect the football while attacking downfield. We've never seen anything like this before. Nope. Not at this stage. All right. Well, maybe that's a hot take by me, but I'm going to stick by it. I think hot take. Yeah, I think he's clinched rookie of the year. That's my that's my hot take. Everybody um, everybody is saying that, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to Watson. What happened with him? Hopefully, knock on wood, it won't happen to see. Yeah, that. hopefully. Charles also said, "What are some of the key reasons why the Rockets are on a six game winning streak?" John, I'll let you have at this with the Rockets since you like watching them as much as you do. Emi Doka came in as a highly praised coach when they hired him. He had that scandal with a woman at the Celtics. But he he grown up under Greg Popovich, maybe the greatest coach in history, along with Red Auerbach. And so everybody that I looked at that I respect covering the league or in the league, it was universal praise for him. Now, he reaped the benefits of having all these high picks, but signing Fred Van Fleet was a great move. I mean, a tremendous move. He's already taken over leadership. They have balance. The, the continued progress of Singoon has been amazing, and they play defense, they hustle, they they switch when they're supposed to switch. They're just like the Texans, they are a well-coached team. They just kill the Lakers, and then they come back, and they beat the Nuggets, the defending champion who came to the Toyota Center with one defeat. John, they beat the Nuggets the same day the Texans beat the Bengals. And I, again, this is one of just a million striking similarities between these two teams over the last few years. This is a very specific one. The same day where the Texans beat the Bengals and they really beat them from beginning to end, except they let them back in the game at the end of the game. The Rockets did the same thing with the Nuggets on Sunday night. Like the Rockets were winning that game pretty much all night, especially from about the time, like the middle of the third quarter on. The Rockets were winning by double digits for a lot of the second half of that game. And then they just, you know, they they miss a foul shot and down comes Jokic and he hits a three. They start bombing away. Reggie Jackson hits a three. And next thing you know, it's a one-point game and the Rockets are able to hold them off much the same way the Texans were able to come back and kick a field goal and beat the Bengals. Um, I, it's just, it's it's really like, it's almost like written by a Hollywood script writer, the similarities between the Texans and the Rockets over the last few years. It's really incredible. Kind of mirror images of each other, hundred failure and now success. Yeah, it's really, it's a really, really cool thing. All right, John, our guy Wale is uh, is emailing us. You ready? Ready. Hey guys, over the past few years, it's been the custom to link the Texans' performance to the phrase "bad teams make bad mistakes." I think it's safe to say we're in the phase of Texans will make them pay when the opponents make mistakes. 
specifically Tyler Boyd's drop from the last game, Stroud and the Texans will make them regret it. I'm so happy for this team. I know the defense did well against the Bengals. I'm still sick of the missed tackles. I don't know if that could hold up for the playoffs. In my estimation, the Texans are bound for the AFC Championship game within three years, a Super Bowl appearance within five years. This team is truly for real. Thanks for all the great content. John, out of all that email right there, the part that I wanted to get your thoughts on is, and, and really it's it's really just to revel in something. It, it is really cool to be on the other end of team makes crucial, crucial error that should close out a game, and the other team pounces on it. Tyler Boyd doesn't catch that touchdown pass. What happens? C.J. Stroud pounces on it and goes down and gets a field goal and makes you pay. And I think Eddie caught it. Like you mentioned earlier, based on what we saw the previous week against the Bucks, he might take them straight down the field and throw them the winning touchdown pass. Yeah. Thing yeah. about this situation, when you can learn a lesson, when the coaches can teach a lesson, okay, see what happened here when it's 27-17 and when you let them get back in the game, but you teach it after a win. As D'Amico said, we got a lot to clean up, but it's easier after a win. That's a valuable lesson. Next time they're in that situation, they're going to all be confident. Watson can lead them down the field, and they will learn from their mistakes, especially Watson throwing his worst pass of the season that was intercepted. And Stroud. 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 I'm sorry. That's I keep good. saying Watson. Uh, and another thing, I thought it was a terrible call by the official. When Gene Steratore said it was going to be over the expert uh former one of the best NFL officials, the analyst, I can't remember who, oh, Trent Green, Trent Green. Kevin Harlan, they said it's going to be overturned. A ball goes 10 yards down the field in the air, and they call it a fumble. I thought that was a terrible call. Fortunately, the defense made sure that neither Stroud fumble was capitalized on. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's in the the, the defense. that the, the Texas defense played – such a better game than the final score makes it look like, you know what I mean? 30 to 27 makes it look like it was a shootout. The Texans defense was outstanding. I thought yeah, given the yeah. opponent, they were really good. Uh, all right, John, our guy, Joe Q he's back in the uh, mailbag. Um, can you and John break down the AFC South in terms of performance versus expectations and the Texans chances of running it four and O the rest of the year? I believe if we go five and one in the division, We'll win the division, even if we have another hiccup like the Panthers, uh, one or two like that outside of the division. John, what do you think the chances are of the Texans going 4-0 and in the division the rest of the way? They got two against the Titans, one against the Colts, one against the Jaguars. Uh, Titans are going to be going against Will Levis as long as he's healthy. They could win both of those games. Uh, the Colts, the last game, Gardner Minshew came off the bench and carved them up. He's done that before. Um, I, I'm going to say they'll go three and one and lose. Yeah, I think so games. too. I, I I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and think that the Texans are five and four and they're going to finish thirteen and four or something like that. Even though even though I think they could win, like in a vacuum, they could win each of these games. There's no question. There's no there's not a single game on the schedule the rest of the way that that looks like this Bengals game did this past week. You know where you know you're going in as a touchdown underdog on the road. There's nothing that rem with C.J. Stroud. That's the big caveat. With Stroud at quarterback, there's none of these games that look like individually you should be fearing anything, but it's the NFL. They're going to lose a couple of these at least along the way. Like it, they're five and four. Like for me to go, they're going to lose a couple of these at least. They lose a couple and they're 11 and six. And that is coach of the year material for D'Amico Ryans, you know, at 11 and six. 
Um, there was so, a, ter- a, a, uh, a benchmark. It seemed to be, they were awful against the Panthers. They lose to Bryce Young and afterward Watson talked about, he wanted more explosive plays and how they lead the NFL and explosive plays. Bobby Slowick, it can't just be the coverage because they've had different coverage against Tampa and Cincinnati, but it had to be a change of philosophy where he said, okay, he, I trust you. We're going to start throwing the ball down the field more. And what amazes me about what's happened, Nico Collins catches a lot of balls and breaks tackles. He's got guys around him. Noah Brown gets open. He has done a tremendous job of getting open. Those two guys with Tank Dell, those two big guys, Brown 6'2", 215. Nico told me he's up to 220, 6'4", and then Tank Dell. And so um, that passing game is going to be prolific. And you said after you guys had Devin Singletary on the post game that yeah. he carries 10 times. This game, he won't be he he won't be unhappy. Well, I will be. Fans will be. Everybody will be. If he only carries ten guys, because he ought to be the starting back, whether Damian Pierce is healthy or not. All right, let's play this game then, John. They they let's say they carry the ball as a team thirty times again, like they did with Devin by himself this past game. But Damian's healthy. What do you want the split to be? Thirty carries split between Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce. What do you twenty want the and split? ten? Twenty and ten. Wow. Okay. Singletary just ran for 150 yards. I know. May got himself in the history books with the immortal Alfred Blue. He deserves to carry the ball. Maybe Pierce could have done everything he did, but it looks like Singletary has figured out the scheme, the zone scheme, where you get all the linemen go uh, horizontally and you plant that foot, go find the hole and get through there. And so I want to see him in. If Damian Pierce proves he can start to do it too, then maybe the carries could even out. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple more, John. You ready? Let's do this. Landon B. Case Keenum seems like he's basically a coach right now. Is that's what's is that what's next for him specifically with this staff? I talked to him about it. He is like a coach. He's one of the underrated things going on with Stroud. Uh, he spends a lot of time working with Stroud, just like Gerard Johnson, the quarterback coach, deserves a lot of praise. Case, I think, is involved in some real estate deals, and you make a whole lot more money in real estate. But he just seems like he'd be a natural coach. And I'm going to guess that if he becomes a coach, he'd either be like assistant quarterback coach here. He's not going to go right in and take Gerard Johnson's job. One more season, Bobby Sloak is gone. He's going to be a head coach. And you hope that Gerard Johnson would stay here as the offensive coordinator if he's the most qualified candidate and not go with Bobby Sloak. Texans are going to have problems with 49ers, dude, and they always have people waiting in the wings. But knowing how much Case loves the Cougars, I could see if he said, I'd like to go into coaching, I could see whoever the coach is at U of H wisely reaching out to him yeah i boy i wonder i wonder if case wants to do the whole recruiting thing and you know i i, I could see them reaching out i if i'm case i stay above the college fray and just stay case is set up to get into this case is set up to be in the hov lane into this whole kubiak shanahan 
Slowick, D'Amico, McDaniel, you know, the whole, the whole thing. He's he's set up to get right into this tree right now, John, after he's retired. He could go from being assistant quarterback coach, quarterback coach, coordinator, and head coach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, uh, this is our guy, Dave Howard, John, from uh, Round Rock, I believe, right? Right. Says the story is that C.J. Stroud asked Nick Casario to draft Tank Dell. Hang on, John. I know you're going to shoot holes in this. If that's true, and you got to ask Nick about this, he says, like Nick's going to give an answer. CJ may have made the best pick in the draft after his own tank being a third rounder. John, what do you have to say about CJ Stroud asking Nick Casario to draft Tank Dell? (laughs) Well, let's see. Since Stroud was in New York and Casario was hunkered down at NRG Stadium and Stroud was being doing all these interviews and everything, and being with his family, I mm-hmm. uh, find it really hard to believe he had time to call Casario and Nick could take the time right in the middle of the draft and trade talk and go, oh, okay, we'll get Tank Dell. And uh, so, no, I don't buy that. Okay. I think but he praised the heck out of it, of course. Yeah. Uh, more than likely, D'Amico said, Tank's doing all those things we knew he could do. And I wanted to say, well, why didn't you draft him in the second round? Because <laughs> they're playing poker, John. They knew he'd be there in the third. <laughs> Can you see, amid everything going on in New York and everything going on in Energy Stadium yeah. on draft day and uh, Stroud picking up the phone or text. Oh, yeah. Nick's like, Nick's like, hang on, Jamico. I got to take this. I got to take this call. It's CJ. Hang on. All right. Uh, Dave also says, and another thing, the alleged fumble on Stroud's incompletion, the first thing the official should look at is which way the ball travels. If it goes forward, it is presumptively an incomplete pass as it's the force of the quarterback's arm propelling it forward. Simple physics, Dave says. And you're right, Dave. That was a terrible call. Yeah. I thought Tank Dell was a defenseless receiver when he got drilled in the Rams. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he came back and played the rest of that game. Just shows another indication of how tough he is. Yeah. There was another helmet to helmet. They didn't call against the Bengals. I thought overall the officiating was pretty bad. It was horrible. It was a really bad officiated game. We'd be talking about it more if the Texans lost. Last one, Michael and Sugarland. What do you guys think of the Astros promoting Joe Espada? Everybody that I know who covers the team and is around the team likes Joe Espada and wanted him to get the job. And the reason is twofold. When I was at spring training, I went before they started playing. I spent a week there watching coaches, players, just observing. And one of the things I noticed about Espada, great personality. Players were seeking him out to talk to him. He didn't have any certain position group. You know, he's, he's responsible for putting together spring training. He's a bench coach. He's bilingual. I like that. And uh, he has respect. And he also doesn't have to come in, okay, I'm going to put my stamp on here. We're going to not do it the way you guys have been doing it. We're going to do it this way. And uh, I think it was the best possible hire. And if it doesn't work out, I can't complain about it because I think it's a really good hire preserving continuity on a team that's still very capable of winning another World Series. Yeah, the part you touched on there, John, with them like bringing somebody in who's not going to try to change everything around, like that's the last thing they need. I, If anything, I feel like the changes that might get made would be that this is a team that's going to conduct itself uh, a little bit more like the Hinch era than the Dusty Baker era, you know, especially the manager. I think the lineups, 
the way the bullpen gets handled, the use of analytics, not the overuse of it, just the use of it. I think he's going to look a whole lot more. The synergy with the GM and the manager, yeah. which has been completely missing for the last several years. Really, honestly, the entire time Dusty was here. I don't think Dusty got along with James Click. I don't think Dusty got along with uh, with with Dana, Dana Brown. Brown. And and so I, you know, at that point, once you're two GMs in, that's a Dusty problem. That's not an Astros problem anymore. So I think it's going to look a whole lot more like it did during the the years of the you know the, the rise of the Astros with Hinch and with Jeff Luno. And I think that's a great thing for Astro fans. I don't think that uh, new managers say Buck Walter National media had him at second the odds to get him. Buck has a way he wants to do things. I don't want a guy coming here going to get rid of a lot of players. Want the spot? I ought to know what's wrong with Farmer and uh, Christian Javier and players who had a bad season. He's going to play Yiner Diaz, and he got a chance to get 25 to 30 home runs, be the best hitting catcher the Astros have ever had. So I'm I'm fired up about a spotter doing the little things Dusty didn't do, and I can't wait to see what coaches the new manager brings back. <laughs>